So there are two things that drive me crazy about airplane flights. The first one is how everyone needs to stand up on the flight once you finally arrive. And this is really annoying for me because I'm always the person that's sitting in the aisle seat. And then as soon as everyone gets up, now I have this dude all up in my business, like right here. So now I need to stand up too. And we're looking eye to eye now. And now I need to make uh, small talk with this guy. And it's just the worst. I just wish, wish people would have some common decency and just wait a little bit. And we're all going to get eventually get off the flight. It's going to work out. The second thing that drives me crazy about flying is delays. I absolutely hate delays. I was flying from Seattle to Indianapolis and there was a thunderstorm and um, actually flying back home and we got stuck in Indianapolis for 10 hours. You know what's great about Indianapolis? Nothing that I can think of. I'm sorry if you're from Indianapolis. <laughs> but there is nothing worse than getting delayed. But what happens when you're delayed in life? Some of you are living through that right now. Some of you feel delayed because of that current struggle that you have right now. And it just feels like you will never get past it. This will always be a part of your life. Others of you feel like life is delayed today because someone you love is hurting. And it seems like all you are getting is bad news. And you are completely discouraged. You feel like life is on pause today for you. For others of you, life is feeling delayed because it doesn't look the way you planned for it to look. You were hoping to get into that college. You were hoping to get that promotion. This was supposed to happen at this age, but it never did. And those can be some really painful things to walk through in life. And I don't know what your delay is this morning, but my hope is to be able to give you an answer, to try and just help you a little bit on maybe why there is a delay in your life because they are so difficult sometimes. It can be so overwhelming and you may want to give up. Everyone has different love languages. It's how we give and receive love. I think I can make a pretty good argument that God's love language is trust. We equate love with comfort, but God equates love with trust. We equate love with rule keeping. God equates love with trust. Can you trust when everything in life is on pause? When things feel delayed, when it doesn't look the way that you planned for it to look, when all you are getting is bad news? And this is why we have to be so careful. It's because delays often turn into disappointments. And then what do we do with these disappointments? Do they change our view of God? Because we have this timeline about how we feel like everything should fall into place, about how everything should work. And oftentimes, those delays turn into disappointments. But here's what I have learned so far in life. God's job is the outcome. Our job is patience with the mystery. And so many different things that we walk through in life are mysteries to us. Things that we can't fully understand yet. Can we allow God to be God over the outcome? Can we trust him when everything is on pause and delayed? I want to give you a little bit of an insight for me as a preacher. And I've been preaching a little bit more here on Sunday, so maybe you've noticed this. But for me, 
What makes me excited as a preacher is not what I have to say. It's nothing that I say in the beginning. It's the scripture. That's where the power is. That is what changes everything. And we're going to spend most of our time this morning in scripture. But since Doug has gotten sick, I have not been able to get past John chapter 11. It's something that God just keeps bringing back to my mind over and over. I have prayed the words of Jesus in John chapter 11 thousands and thousands of times over and over again. And God will not let me leave this. And so I just wonder maybe if there's something that God wants to show us in this portion of scripture. Because we all have delays. We all have disappointments. How do we get through these things? This is what it says in John chapter 11. In the village of Bethany, there was a man named Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary was the one who would anoint Jesus' feet with costly perfume and dry his feet with her long hair. One day, Lazarus became very sick to the point of death. So his sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, our brother Lazarus, the one you love, is very sick. Please come. This is profound theology from these sisters. Let me ask you a question. If you had one letter that you could write to Jesus to save someone that you love, what would you write in it? Would you write about how they are such a great person? About how much they love God? About all the good things that they have done in their life? You know, Mary and Martha do the exact opposite of it. And it is so profound and it is so powerful. Matthew Henry says this. He says, Our love to him is not worth speaking of, but his love to us can never be enough spoken of. Our love fails. It it sways back and forth, but his love is constant. It is never changing. That is the love that is worth talking about. And these sisters recognize that. They appeal to God's love for Lazarus, to Jesus' love for Lazarus, because they know God is true to his word, and he will be moved by that. I want you to catch this. Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved him. Lazarus still got sick. There are people in life who will attack you in your darkest moments and say, because you have done something wrong, this is why your condition is this way. But we see that is absolutely not true. Jesus loved Lazarus. We're going to look at Matthew Henry's commentary a couple times throughout this scripture. So you get mad at him and not me. He died about 400 years ago, so I think he can handle it. This is what he says. It is no new thing for those whom Christ loved to be sick. All things come alike to all. Bodily distempers correct the corruption and try the graces of God's people. You can love Jesus and there can still be things that come against you. Do not believe those people who would come against you. God's people still get tried just like everyone else. But God is faithful and he is true and his grace is enough in those moments. Verse 4. When he heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. 
This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. Now Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He remained where he was for two more days. These are the verses that I prayed over and over. As I sat in the Jansen house one night, I felt them hit my heart. And I asked some of you to pray those along with me. And there had been moments where I felt overwhelmed, where I felt scared, and I would, I would just go to them over and over again because I felt like that was God's word for Doug, and that's what I was standing on and praying on over and over again. But here they are. They're living between the promise and its arrival. And that's so much of our life, is living in between that time, between the promise of this sickness will not end in death, but it not being here yet. And so Mary and Martha had to wait through those agonizing moments, those hours that were so difficult. Here they have sent a letter to Jesus, and they're probably wondering, Jesus, don't you understand the urgency? Don't you understand how dark and how painful this is for us right now? Where are you right now? It's almost like Jesus leaves them on red. Have you ever gotten left on red before? I have my red receipts on, and I like to know, like people to know when I leave them on red, but I need a little bit of therapy. Okay. <laughs> Jesus seems like he has just left them on red in this moment. It must have been so difficult for them. But I want you to catch this, because when I saw this, it changed the way I looked at this verse. It says, Now Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he remained where he was for two more days. Some translations say, so he remained where he was for two more days. I, want, I just wonder if maybe the reason why, because I think that's what the, John is telling us right here, the reason why he waited two days was because he loved them, because he cared about them. And that goes against all of our earthly knowledge and all of our understanding. But God is constantly flipping our wisdom upside down. He's doing something inside of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and everyone that was there that day. He stayed away because he loved them. Now, here's what you need to understand. Is it didn't just take two days. It took two days for the message to get to Jesus. Now, that's four days in total before he comes back up on the scene. So he waits for two. That must have been so difficult. But God had a reason for their waiting. He did it because he loved them, not in spite of his love, but because he loved them. Someone needs to know that this morning. Verse 11, then Jesus added, Lazarus, our friend has fallen asleep. It's time that I go and awaken him. When they heard this, the disciples replied, Lord, if he had just fallen asleep, then he'll get better. Jesus was speaking about Lazarus' death, but the disciples presumed he was talking about natural sleep. And then Jesus made it plain to them, Lazarus is dead. Have you ever been trying to explain something to someone and they are just not getting it at all? That is the disciples right here. I love how John writes, Jesus had to plainly tell them he is dead. But what you need to understand is that this was a complex situation. This was a mystery in itself because Jesus is saying that Lazarus' life is not gonna end in death, but he is very much dead right now in this moment. 
but he had also promised that it wouldn't end in death. And so they're living between the promise and its arrival. So it's, it's kind of like he's sleeping because this will not end in death. And so they, they were just lost in what Jesus was trying to see. And I, I just wonder if he was trying to see if they remembered what he had already said, if they were trusting him and what he had already promised. Verse 15, and for your sake, I am glad I wasn't there. Because you, because now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. Come, let's go and see him. This waiting was about to accomplish so much. And Jesus makes his plan very clear right here. This is another opportunity for the world to be changed. This is another opportunity for my disciples to have deeper faith. This is another opportunity for the people I love, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, to know how much I truly love them and how much they can trust me even in the darkest moments of life. Matthew Henry says this. He gives them the reasons why he had delayed so long to go and see him. I am glad for your sake that I was not there. If he had been there time enough, he would have healed the disease and prevented his death, which would have been much more for the comfort of Lazarus' friends. But then his disciples would have seen no pr further proof of his power than what they had often seen. And consequently, their faith had received no improvement. But now that he went and raised him from the dead, as there were many brought to believe on him before now. So there was much done towards the perfecting of what was lacking in the faith of those who did, which Christ aimed at, to the intent that you may believe. I don't know what you're waiting through. I don't know what your delay is. I don't know how deep your pain is. But maybe your delay is because God is working because he is doing something behind the scenes. On Christmas, I spoke about how we can have hope in any situation while we are waiting. But today, I want to show you what God is doing while you are waiting in those dark moments of the soul where our God is. Verse 16, So Thomas, nicknamed the twin, remarked to the other disciples, Let's go so that we can die with him. Thomas's real nickname shouldn't have been the twin. It should have been the dramatic. He is often given over to his emotions and he is just lost in what is going on right here. And he says, let's just go die with him. So overwhelmed by what was happening. Verse 17. Now when they arrived at Bethany, which was only about two miles from Jerusalem, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Many friends of Mary and Martha had come from the region to console them over the loss of their brother. Here's what I want you to see here. Your breakthrough is, as, is never as far as you think. It's only two miles away at this point. That is why you can never give up. That's why you walk around the walls of Jericho seven times instead of six and you don't give up. That's why Elijah asked his servant to go look for rain seven times instead of six. That's why 
you keep wrestling at 3 a.m. when there's something going on inside of you and you want to give up, but you keep crying out and you keep trusting. That's why Jacob didn't let go of God until he got his blessing because you never truly know how far away it is. It could be right around the corner. Don't you dare give up yet. Hope is on the way. And I see it coming right here. But I wonder what Mary and Martha are thinking at this point. Verse 20. And when Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, My Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. Jesus told her, Your brother will arise and live. She replied, yes, I know he will rise with everyone else on resurrection day. This is so interesting to me. She has a tremendous amount of faith on one hand. She knows that Jesus will complete the greatest miracle, that he will fulfill his promises, that he will bring those that believe in him back to life from the dead. She's full of faith, but in the same moment she's missing out on her miracle right here. She doesn't see it right in front of her. She's torn inside by what's going on. I think that's a picture of us sometimes. We know who God is. We stand on his promises, but also we're living in something difficult right now, and we miss out on the miracle right in front of us. It reminds me of Mark chapter 9. A father brings his sick son to Jesus and says, Jesus, can you heal him? And Jesus replies, anything is possible for the one who believes. And the man says back to Jesus, I believe. And I truly think the man believed with everything inside of him that Jesus really could do this. He was desperate for his son. But he said, Lord, help me with my unbelief. That there's two sides of us sometimes that know and that, that's torn, that's fighting. And that's okay. You pray just like that man prayed. You talk to Jesus just like the man talked. Because it's not about you. It is about the one who is faithful. And Jesus gave that boy his breakthrough that day. Because it all depended on Jesus. Let's keep going. Martha, Jesus said, you don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection, and I am life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Then Martha replied, yes, Lord, I do. I have always believed that you are the anointed one, the son of God who has come into the world for us. Once again, Martha blows us away with her theology. She she gets it. She she sees the true heart of Jesus in this moment. And ultimately, this is what she's saying. My circumstances cannot change my belief in Jesus. I have lost my brother, but I still believe that you are the anointed one. In her darkest moment, She refuses to be swayed and turn her back on Jesus. 
She sees who he really is. She has already experienced too much in her life to give up at this point. And she says, I will not let my circumstances determine my faith. Wow, that is some world-changing faith right there. That is what God is after in all of our hearts. And Martha gets it right here. And it is so incredibly powerful. Her faith will not be changed. Then she left and hurried off to her sister. Mary and called her aside for all the mourners and whispers to her. The master is here and he's asking for you. So when Mary heard this, she quickly went off to find him. For Jesus was lingering outside the village at the same point where Martha met him. Now, when Mary's friends who were comforting her noticed how quickly she had ran out of the house, they followed her, assuming she was going to the tomb of her brother to mourn. When Mary finally found Jesus outside the village, she fell at his feet in tears and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's like you can hear the pain in her voice as she looks at Jesus. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do you have a Lazarus? Do you have something in your life that you prayed, God, if only you would have done this, my life would be so much different right now. If only you did this. I think all of us have had a Lazarus at some point or another, something we wished that God would do, something we prayed that God would do, and it didn't happen maybe the way we want or on our timeline. And that can be really difficult. But here's what I want to tell you this morning, is that God knows what is going on. Jesus sees it, and we see it in the next verse. He is working and he is doing something with all of those broken places in our life. I am full of faith that God would not have led you to that point if he could not do something amazing through what you are going through. And here's what we need to understand is some of us will never know that answer until eternity. Some of us will get to know that answer here and now. But you do not know what God is working on your behalf right now because we can't see it. It's part of the mystery. But don't you dare lose hope. We're gonna talk a little bit more about that Lazarus that you may have in your life just a little bit later. Verse 33. When Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet and all of her friends who were grieving, he shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. When we suffer, when you suffer, this is the emotion of our God. Do not believe the lie that he is cold, that he is up in heaven, that he is so much busier with a million other things going on. No, he sees you on your individual level in the pain and the tears that you have been crying out in. And he comes alongside of you and he feels what you feel. He understands it and he gets it. We see right here that he didn't just shed a couple of tears. He shuddered as he saw Mary's pain. He, he was broken inside because he loved her and he loved Lazarus. God feels the same way when we suffer. He is not cold to your pain. He sees it. But here's what you need to know. God cares more about your ultimate good than your momentary suffering. And he will always choose what's best for you over everything else. 
And I know that's hard to understand here and now. I know that's hard to understand when you are walking in the middle of it. But it is truth. And we will continue to see that. Verse 34, he said to them, where did you bury him? Lord, come with us and we'll show you. They replied. Then tears streamed down Jesus' face. Seeing Jesus weep caused many of the mourners to say, look how much he loved Lazarus. Yet others said, isn't this the one who opens blind eyes? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? There will always be those people in all of our lives that say things like that in our darkest moments. Don't you dare give in to that fear that they speak and that pain that they speak over your life. Then Jesus, with intense emotions, came to the tomb, the cave with a stone placed over its entrance. Jesus told them, roll away the stone. Then Martha said, but Lord, it's been four days since he died. But now his body is already decomposing. Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you that if you will believe in me, you will see God unveil his power? He was after their faith all along and he wanted it to be a grand display for everyone that was there and everyone that would hear about this story. Their faith would never be the same. God wants to bring dead parts of our life back to life. That part that you feel like is hopeless, that thing that you have given up on, God still brings dead parts of our life back to life. But sometimes, sometimes there are things that need to die inside of us so God can bring out something greater. And sometimes the only way to do that is through pain. Verse 41. So they rolled away the heavy stone. Jesus gazed into heaven and said, Father, thank you that you have heard my prayer. For you listen to every word I speak. Now, so that these who stand here with me will believe that you have sent me to earth as your messenger. I will use the power you have given me. Then with a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out of that tomb. Then in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. He still had grave clothes tightly wrapped around his hands and his feet, covering his face. Jesus said to him, unwrap him and let him loose. Jesus performs this amazing miracle right here. But this is foreshadowing for the greatest miracle that would ever happen, that brings all the dead back to life. And when this man walked out of the tomb, he didn't trip. He didn't stumble. He came out in victory and in glory. And that was a sign of all that Jesus would do. And here's what I want to tell you. That part of you that you have buried that part of you that feels dead inside that said, God, only if God still shows up at the tomb of every Lazarus. It's time to revisit that thing and ask God maybe to give you a new perspective on it. Ask God to bring healing to that deep part of you that maybe you've even forgotten about because I promise you he was doing something in it. He was working inside of that discomfort in your life. He loves you too much. He loves you just as much as he loved Lazarus. And he cares about those parts of your life. And he is still showing up. He wants you to give that part of your life back to him and let him bring healing to it or a new perspective, a new way of understanding it. 
And like I said, some of us won't know until we step into eternity, but some of us will know now. And if you don't get an answer, there is peace that goes alongside. There is joy in the middle of it because that's who God says he is and he doesn't fail his word. Next verse. From that day forward, many of those who had come to visit Mary believed in him for they had seen with their own eyes this amazing miracle. But a few went back to inform the Pharisees about what Jesus had done. All along, this had been a scheduled delay. This was for the good of everyone that would hear this story. It was for Lazarus, it was for Mary, and it was for Martha, and it was for everyone that would ever hear this story so that your faith would be set on solid ground, so that you could trust in the middle of your most painful and darkest moments. Here's what you need to understand about Lazarus. Is after this moment, he became a walking miracle. I don't think it was probably easy for people to be around him and not believe in the existence of Jesus. God's fingerprints were all over his life. Story about Lazarus, without doubt, traveled. Everyone that was there that day was never the same because of that moment, because God decided to wait. And that's not always easy to hear when you are in the middle of it, but it changed the world forever. I was writing this part of the message on um, Thursday afternoon, and as I was typing out the part I'm about to say, I was like, man, I need to really stop writing such emotional things in my message. Everyone's going to think I cry every day. I'm going to try my best to get through it. Did a bad job at the first service. Just like Lazarus was a walking miracle, our pastor is about to be a walking miracle. And everyone that's going to be around him is going to have a really hard time denying that Jesus is real. I've texted Doug a couple of times since then, and almost every time I tell him the same thing, Doug, when you come out of this, your anointing is going to be doubled. God is deepening Doug's capacities in ways that we don't understand. He is going to be able to love people and hurt with people like we haven't seen yet. And God is going to bring so much good from this. And here's the thing about Doug. <laughs> Doug cares about all of you so much. He loves this church. Doug is my best friend in the whole world. And I spend a lot of time with Doug. I, I know him in and out. This miracle wasn't just for him. It was for all of you too. It was for everyone that would hear this story. God thought about you when he was working this in Doug so that your faith wouldn't shake, so that you would have trust in God that would stand time. Lazarus' miracle wasn't just for Lazarus. It was for Mary, Martha, and everyone there. And it's for ours too. It is for our church. But God is going to do such amazing things on the other side of it. Here's the bottom line that I want you guys to remember. God is working while we're waiting. And we don't always get to know what that's like. It's hard living between the promise and its arrival. But we can trust the one who is faithful. He wants us to believe in him more than anything else. It's greater than our comfort. Jesus is all we need.
that part of you today that you have buried deep down, that part of you that says, if only, God, you would have done this, give that to him today. Stop running from whatever that thing is. He can bring dead things back to life. It's what he does. Let him bring healing. Let him bring perspective. Let him bring new peace and new joy today. He was working while you were hurting, while you were waiting. He still shows up at the tomb of every Lazarus. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us enough to want what's best for us. I pray for people, God, that are in the middle of some really difficult delays today. The people who have been waiting for a really long time. God, people who who have been hurting for a really long time. I pray, Jesus, that you would be their comfort, that you would give them new strength today, God. I pray, Jesus, that you would give them perspective, God, into their situation, that you never abandon any of your children. Anyone who calls out on the name of Jesus, you hear what is going on in their life today, God. And I pray, Lord, that they would be reminded of your faithfulness, of your goodness, Lord, that you worked the greatest miracle and you have conquered death for us, Lord. So while we wait in this life, give us new perspective, give us new hope. God, we know, I know how difficult it is when we're waiting. I pray, God, that you would sustain us in those moments, that your peace and your grace would be enough, that we would stand on your word, Lord. God, we need you for moments like this. Thank you for what you are doing. Jesus, we pray for Doug that you would continue his healing right now, that you would touch his body, God, that you would make him well, restore him, God. We love you, Jesus, not just for what you do, but for who you are. Our faith isn't changed by our circumstances. We have seen too much. We've experienced the Holy One. We love you. Pray this all in your name.